One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim the Throne podcast. Coming on you with infos on writing, recording, and marketing your metal album in 2013. Hey, who is it? Neil, Neil, Neil. It's Claim the Throne on the Blodgecast again. I'm Cabba. And I'm Ash. And uh, we're back on the Blodgecast, where poor judgment leads to experience, and experience leads to good judgment. How you going today, Ashley? Not too bad, thank you. Brennan? Great to hear. Thanks for bringing the Ho Gardens over. Pretty excited about that. It's a hot day, and they are frozen, like a frozen Coke, but with beer. It's freaking awesome. Put them in the freezer, mate. Put it in the bin. Cume, cume, cume. Cume, cume. Rack ears. The Australian coast is about to be invaded. It's time for crabs, naked and vulnerable. On a mission. Welcome to the Cabba Sedge. I'm Cabba. I'll lead your sedge today. And um, what I'm going to chat about is a little thing called Gidge Worksheets. A bit of a document or bit of papier that you put together uh, in anticipation of a gig uh, to communicate with the other bands on the bill, the venue, their venues, communicate. And uh, but not only is it um, the best communication tool you can use, um, yeah, to to keep in touch with all the other bands in the venues, it's also a real handy checklist, I believe, for the promoters. Uh, whoever is putting on the gig, which is you, you sick count putting on a gig. We need more people like you. So thanks for putting on a show. Now, um, yeah, gather around, listen in, and we're going to go through a few things that you should include on your worksheet. All right, so start off, um, bring yourself up a, a blank Word document or a spreadsheet or a bit of papier, depending um, <laughs> on an ancient script with a feather quill. Papyrus. <laughs> Neil. So what you want to do is do this very early days. So you've booked your venue, you've booked your lineup, and you want to start putting this together. And um, you want to get it out to the other bands and the venues as soon as you can, because it gives them every bit of information that they would need to know. And it just helps to make sure everything's going to run really smoothly in very early days before the gig. Um, and it's going to help promotion-wise as well, because um, you're going to allocate um, you know, duties and things to everyone, and, and everyone's going to know what other people are doing. So in order to set up this set, looking document you're going to start by placing like a, a band logo or you if you have a, a promotion company um, a logo or something at the top you might want to put it on the left you might want to put it in the center but basically you just want it to look pro and you want people to know who it is who's done this you then want to add the event name so what i might just refer to here is our next upcoming gig and that is the perth metal christmas party so we'll have that just under our logo, make it look bold and exciting. Um, and then you want to list the lineup. In this instance, we got Claim the Throne, Silent Night, Red Descending, Suffer in Rot, 666. That's the people that you'll be initially sending this out to. A good thing is just to build a good rapport between these bands as well. So we'll be including, you know, the purpose of each band playing. So with us, it's our re-release party for Triumph and Beyond and Ale Tales. Silent Night have got their master plan of vinyl launch. And we've also got Red Descending and Suffer in Rot. So you just include any details that you need to, and that includes contacts. So uh, email addresses, websites, Facebook links for each band so that they can all um, liaise with each other in case um, they need to discuss anything, maybe perhaps lending gear, uh, sharing lifts, I don't know, just anything. But um, as long as everyone's getting along well, then that is going to increase the vibe of the evening. Uh, next up, you want to have all the venue details. In our instance, it'll be Amplifier Bar. You want to include the, the details such as address, so Murray Street, Perth, phone number, email, uh, any relevant contacts. So if there's someone who's um, you know helping the booking or a venue manager or anything like that, yeah, their contact details and the capacity of the venue. In this case, 450 people. 
ticket price for the night, any venue hire that there might be, uh, any age limit for the show, uh, what time doors open and what time is curfew, what time can bands load in from and where. So in this instance, we're going to have bands loading in from at least uh, two or uh, roughly two hours before doors open, which gives everyone a chance to get their gear in, move their cars and um, do a bit of a sound check and just get their shit organized. Um, you then want to have sound check times. In this instance, we'll probably... If we're lucky, do a bit of a quick sound check around six o'clock for half an hour. Then the opening band will take over. They'll do their sound check before doors open. After doors, then it will be line checks only. One of the most important things of this actually set times so that bands know how long they're going to be playing for so that they can, you know, in the in the lead up to the show, they they know what sort of time they're allocated and what set list to work towards. So um, that will definitely um, is a good thing. I really hate when you don't know how long you're playing for until like the day before. And also because every single one of your friends or fans on Facebook or anything like that will say, what time are you guys on? Exactly. And that goes with a lot of this information, you know, even ticket prices or anything like that. I think it's just really good to be able to communicate this info to bands as soon as you can and it also prevents them having to get in touch with you as the promoter saying can you please give us some details on this or this or this you just have it all set out and send it out to them and if there's any queries then they come back to to you from there Um, but yeah just definitely improves communication and information that they can use to um to ensure their involvement in the gig is top-notch. Um, so just when you're putting the set times together as well, think carefully about it. So generally the opening bands, you know, depending how long you have in, in this instance um, with our upcoming gig, it's uh, from 8 to 12. So a four-hour gig, four bands. That doesn't mean an hour per band because you need to also include um, changeover times. I find generally 20 minutes is pretty good. Um depending on whether people are, you know, lending gear amongst one another or, you know, whatever. But it's a good amount of time to get a drum kit off stage, put another kit back up and same for all the other uh, instruments and amps and things as well, as well as a quick line check. So if doors are at eight, I think um, the first band should start just a bit after that, maybe like quarter past, give people time to go and get pints and uh, shots of Jaeger. Um, And then probably half an hour is good for the first band. Then a bit of a 20-minute changeover. The next band, they can probably have perhaps 35 minutes to 40 minutes. Uh, Another 20-minute changeover. The next band, uh, so this is the second headliner, they can probably have a bit more again, perhaps 45 minutes. Uh, And then a 20-minute changeover and you want to have the last band playing, you know, not much later after 11 o'clock probably to finish just before midnight. Um, So they might get close to an hour uh, to play there. And then, like we said, if you send this out to the bands and if anyone says, oh, you know, could we have an extra five minutes, then you can certainly, you know, take it from there and, and perhaps um, move some things around. On the on the contrary, bands might say, we don't need half an hour. Um, we don't actually have that much material. So drop us to 20. Then you're able to plan ahead and allocate the other bands a bit of extra time as well. Uh, next up will be your backline for the night. Um, so you might want to include PA being provided by the venue. You'd find that actually some venues these days don't even have PA and you need to arrange that yourself. So that's something you really need to find out from the venue uh, before the show. The last thing you want to do is rock up and not know all the details, you know. So really make sure you get all the information from the venue and then pass it on to everyone else um, through the worksheet. And um, and some good venues will actually send you through a worksheet from their end as well. Um, so you can sometimes even just use that worksheet and send it to the other bands or you can take all the information you need off it and, um, and rework your own worksheet. Um, and also, you know, you get to go through all that information that they've given you from the venue 
and then if there's any queries, you can just, of course um, ask them questions about it as well. Um, so for the backline, um, yeah, we'll, we'll put PA has been provided by the venue. Um, and then as a, a bit of goodwill and for smoother changeovers, I think it's always good to say, you know, we're able to provide a, a drum kit and some guitar cabs and a bass cab. If any other bands want to use it, just let us know. Um, and, you know, that saves lugging extra gear around, um, jamming up areas in the venue with extra gear that doesn't need to be there. And yeah, a lot quicker changeovers and just everything is often a lot smoother. Especially in smaller venues. Uh, we've had some venues like the Rocket Room in Perth where there's only, I wouldn't even call it a room, that you're in a little storage area or in a disabled toilet um, <laughs> setting up your kit. And that yeah, is a pantry. No joke. And then if you have like four or five bands playing and, you know, at five members in each band, that's, you know, 25 pieces of big equipment that are trying to lug into this thing. So it's better just to get along with the other bands and share stuff and it works out a lot better. Cabs especially because, you know, most people use exactly the same guitar cabs or very similar, but I mean, you know, don't get fickle about your drums and just be prepared to either lend them, not your cymbals or your pedals, your real personal items, your snare drums. Get people to bring the, the bare essentials and then, yeah, the like... The kick drums and the toms, pretty much, and the hardware. Go for it. It's Kume. We've even got a uh, little information on here. If bands haven't played at these particular venues before, you might want to include parking. You know, they can load in at the rear venue, but then they they know that they need to move their car by eight o'clock, and they might you know only be paid parking along the street, so they need to bring a couple of bucks for that. Dressing room. So where it is, how big it is, and what they've got. So it might be one room, a couple of toilets, and a shower. All right, then we've got um, what else the venue might be providing, like a door person. Will they provide that or do you need to get someone to, to collect the money at the door? Merchandise, is there an area to sell merch? Are there tables available or coat hangers? Do bands need to provide their own person to sell the merch? And most important of all, do you need to pay the venue a portion of your earnings from merch? And a lot of venues sneak up on you at the end of the night and tell, you know, how much uh, did, so did you sell this uh, this gig? Oh, we sold about a grand. Great. That sounds really good. You owe us $200. Thanks for that. And you're like, what? I didn't know anything about that. Why? We sold our own merch. What do we have to pay for? It's just a, a policy that they have. And that, again, is something you need to really know before the night. Because, you know, sometimes it's not even worth selling merch if you have to pay a fee for it. Um, or you might need to put your prices up a little bit to um, to compensate for it. Then we've got our production, sound and lighting. So does the venue provide a sound engineer? Or do, uh, do you need to provide your own sound engineer for each band? Um, is there someone doing lighting? Uh, that sort of thing. Is there a writer for bands? Often it might just be like two local beers per band member or something like that, but you do need to um, find out from the venue as well what they're able to accommodate or whether the promoter can provide any sort of snacks or, or, or drinks or anything as well. If bands don't drink beer and they just want Cokes or cider or something differently, then you can put that request through as well as long as this worksheet is sent out early days. Guest list, generally one per band member um, or you know the promoter or headlining band might get a few more people. But again, that's something that, bands really need to check the worksheet carefully because you know sometimes people just assume a kiln that you know you can have guest lists sometimes you can't have anyone you know you might bring your girlfriend and you have to pay for her ticket so yeah just something to keep an eye on in the worksheet as well payment you generally wouldn't include an actual figure when you send this out in bulk otherwise you want to do a separate one for each band because maybe all the bands aren't getting paid the same and it's a bit of more of a private thing so you can often say as discussed with bands individually uh, and then you can say bands must invoice the promoter for payment within 28 business days or you don't get paid and that's also a little section that bands often don't even look at they play the gig and then they just forget about it don't think that they need to do anything and expect for money just to turn up in their account you know like 
how's the promoter supposed to know who to pay it to if you haven't given them bank details or anything? If, I mean, if you don't want money, then fine, just leave it. But definitely an important thing, and you know, don't leave it till six months later and you know go up to that that band or promoter and say, oh, we never got paid for that gig or bitch about them or anything, because it's your responsibility as a musician on the night to read a worksheet and to know how you're going to get paid, how much. All of that needs to be discussed in the early days, not on the night, not after the gig. You need to know that before the gig. Don't be a dummy. Then we've got promotion. Um, so you might say, uh, you know, we're going to take care of, of most of the promotion. However, we'd appreciate if all bands can add uh, web flyers and posters to their websites and their social media. You want to attach the artwork of the poster to the email as well. Most likely you might have um, some print flyers and posters as well. So you can say, we'll be delivering these through this gig, this gig, this gig, and this gig coming up so that punters will know that the gig's on. Um, we'll also be delivering flyers throughout the city and sticking some posters up. Then you want to say, let us know if you can help distribute them and an address and perhaps the bands can send out some flyers to each of the other bands to um, you know, include when maybe when they make merch sales or you know they might live close to a shopping centre that they can go and take some posters up to. If all bands helping with promotion always great and invite uh, all their personal friends to the facebook event page as well pretty much wraps it up um once the bands have seen this worksheet and they all agree to it and everything have the things like the set times the door entry and the merch prices perhaps printed out and take to the show so you've got them for the dressing room the sound guy the stage and the fans so they know what bands are on when um they know how much things cost and it just all really contributes to um to a smoother run event so well done. Hope you took good notes and don't do gigs without worksheets, you dummies. Yeah, and make sure you follow the worksheet. Like this is pretty good advice for how to make one, but they're pretty daunting when they come in the mail. The first time you see them, it's just like, oh my God, there's so much info. I thought I just had to rock up and play. They're really actually a simple document. If you just decipher each bit, it gives you more of a stress-free ride throughout your evening and just lets the night run smoothly. Ever recorded a demo in your project studio and gone to get a plug-in and realised that you've got more than you can poke a goddamn stick at? Simplify. You don't need all those plugins. Don't go spending heaps of money on them. Just figure out what each one does and streamline your workflow so you can use what you need when you need to get the right sound that you're after. Compressors, equalizers, amp simulators, reverbs, delays. Just get one or two of each so you can increase your workflow and your productivity. I gotta say the drummer was friggin' awesome, just like spot on. And it's supposed to be three to six inches. It was 22, and man, he was rip shit. <laughs> okay, so ever recorded on your computer, and then it's just locked up, and you don't know what was happening? You've laid a couple of guitar tracks, a few vocals, and then you just started doing, let's say, a virtual synthesizer or something, and the computer just craps itself. <laughs> You try and change the settings and you just can't get it running without it just, you know, halting or jittering on you or just doing shit that you don't want. And that's where this bottlenecking comes in. For starters, when people buy a computer, they try and get heaps and heaps of RAM. Now, RAM's really good, but the problem is, is that most people are still running on 32-bit systems, which can only access a limited amount of RAM. So you might have 20 gig of RAM, but in actuality, you can only access 4 gig of that RAM because that is the maximum that 32-bit will allow you. If you buy a new computer these days, maybe you're buying a 64-bit computer straight out and that gives you unlimited access. So the best thing to do is just to check into what type of computer you have, what type of operating system you have, and just find out if you are running in 64 or 32-bit. If you can go to 64-bit, do it. If you can't or it's all too much of a hassle, just stick with 32 there are other areas you can improve to help your workflow. Number one, a lot of hard drives in consumer devices are 5400 RPM. 
5400 RPM isn't fast enough to access data quick enough for your 30 tracks you're trying to do. It'll work up to a degree, but that's when you'll start having problems. The best thing is to have an external hard drive that is 7200 RPM to record all of your audio to. And your computer drive can be still hopefully 7200 RPM, but if it is 5400, just run your operating system and your digital audio workstation, whether that be Pro Tools, Cubase, Reaper, or any of those. Just make sure that if you record audio out, you do it to that external drive. It doesn't have to be Firewire or Thunderbolt or anything crazy. It can just be a USB 2 hard drive, USB 3, Firewire 800, Thunderbolt. These are all faster, but as long as you have it at 7200 RPM speed and running externally and separate from your system, then it should get a lot better performance out of your computer. For the Forged in Flame album, we had a 5400 RPM system drive. We used an external and we were able to record up to 40 tracks without any dramas. The problems do happen when you start putting lots of plugins and start mixing. That amount of tracks is not so bad if you're doing demos and stuff with a lot less uh, but that's when you need to start looking at your computer's internal specifications and upgrading them uh, not necessarily if you're just doing day-to-day -day demoing and smaller project tracking now this idea is amplified when you start using software synthesizers now this could include anything from a strings package to something like a drum program like superior drummer which is very common or easy drummer that a lot of people are using and you want to get all of these samples off your system drive too if you're computers trying to run its own applications, its own operating system, then reference all the audio tracks, which are large files that you're recording, and then start referencing large sample libraries. Not enough information can get through at one time. So you've already portioned some of it out into your audio track hard drive. You now need a sample hard drive as well. Same as with the audio hard drive, you can just have it on an external running USB 2. Obviously anything above that is better, but just get it off and get it separate. So then your computer can run, your samples can come through, and the audio that you're playing along to also comes through. Basically, you just want to take your workload off the computer. Now, you can do all this with very little RAM, 2 gig, 4 gig. Some programs require you to have more, but it's not like you need to dish out 20 gig or something like that just to get it running. Now, if you are in a 64-bit environment and you do have access to all this RAM, that definitely does help. But at the end of the day, it isn't the problem solver for all these other things. And you've just got to get your workflow and you've got to get the way your project runs streamlined so you don't have any barriers to your creativity or to your workflow when you're recording another band. Cume, Cume. Uh, my final thought on the subject of bottlenecking. I do those. Everyone thinks they need a setup as big as a professional studio to run competently at home, but you really don't. It's just that those guys can, you know, put on a thousand plugins and use all these different string and sample libraries all at once. And uh, the biggest example of that that I can think of is with Winter Sun. Their album took it took time, literally and figuratively. Yeah, how many years was it? It was 2004 to when did that come out? Earlier this year, or was it last, last year, year? 2012. And I saw Yari posting around audio forums saying, oh, you know, I've got this um, interface with external hardware power. I've got this computer. I've got all this and I can't run any more plugins. It's not working out for me. And then it turns out that what he was doing is he had 120 plugins on a track that was 120 tracks long. And then he had, you know, he had an orchestra of 40 instruments playing at once and he was just keeping it all up. So it's just constantly editable and tweakable. And that's cool for a really, you know, crazy tech head with all this stuff. But he was trying 
trying to run off the same sort of system as we all are at home in our project studios. And yeah, he just got bottlenecked out. So he was running a Firewire bus and Firewire can transfer a phenomenal amount of, of data at high speed, but he was maxing that out. It's like if you were in the old days in the studio and you, you hired a trumpet player to come in, he'd play trumpet, he'd leave and that's it. You've got to EQ that trumpet. You've got to do what you will with that trumpet. So why do you need a sample library just in case you, what are you going to do? We should ask him. We should. I'd love to interview him about that. Anyway, only do what's necessary and just keep your workflow cranking. Don't be afraid to commit anything to disk. At the end of the day, you'll be committing it to CD anyway. Just get used to doing that early on in the process. We've got a bit of a new setup today we're trying out as well on the old Lappy and with Reaper instead of Pro Tools. How's that going along, do you reckon? Basically, so we can just carry it around Australia and still podge. Yeah, I think when we go on tour next, we'll definitely have a couple of tour edition podges. Yeah, I think that'll be good. Extra drunk, extra members, extra podge, no sedge. We'll have a sedge. How to cook breakfast. Good sedges for a change. How to handle hangovers on tour. Potato jam sedges. How to handle hangovers on tour. Second half of the sedge, fucking done. Gabba's tip of the week. Are you running out of ideas on how to promote your next upcoming gig online? Why not go to one of the most popular media channels on the internet, YouTube, edit the description of a few of your most popular videos and change the first line to the details of your next show so people will watch your videos, see the top line, what city you're playing in, what date, what venue, and cume along to your next show. Gabba and Ash, Albums of the Week. What have you been listening to this week, Cabba? I have been listening to the latest Tear album quite a lot. Which oh, is, um, nice. Yeah, growing on me pretty nicely. I wasn't a massive fan at first, but um, after a few listens, it's a bit like the last few Tear albums, really. Like, they just take a few listens and get super, super catchy. Uh, yeah, like the wickedest guitaring, some yeah, pretty mad solos, cool riffs, nice harmonies. Um, and yeah, the, the vocals are sexual for sure. Some of the lyrics, pretty funny and questionable at times. But yeah, no, real good album, actually, if you're a fan of, of that sort of stuff. If you haven't heard them before, it's yeah, they, they are a sort of folk metal band, but um, way different, really unique sounding, all clean vocals, full shredding. Like, I guess, imagine, not Winter Sun Shred, but I don't know, different sort of style, not even proggy. What it is, you should listen to Tear and find out. They've got that real Paul Gilberty style blazing solo shred. Full on, yeah. But it's a bit more traditional where it just pops up for a solo mm -hmm. and yeah, the totally. rest of their rhythm parts constant harmonies between the rhythm playing totally and they've really um sped it up the last few albums as well like the yeah lot sort of up, upbeat and fast-paced tunes definitely good for like driving running working out cooking <laughs> i don't know definitely uplifting but um but yeah really awesome not you know it's power metal without being power metal as well sort of is like, like a mix somewhere between folk metal and power metal definitely not corny or anything like that full full shredding real good um like i said real nice vocals um pretty hot band members and um the drumming on this album was done by george collier yeah that was cool which is interesting because he doesn't do his normal George drumming there's no blasts there's no you know super fast fills or anything it's he's kept it tear like but yeah real solid I, I guess that shows a, a good drummer who can you know really vary themselves that much and on Metal Blade Records this time around as well previously I think they've been on Napalm um, which yeah whatever um, but yeah tear Valkyria worth a listen and actually you probably won't like it on the first listen so give it three listens and then you might like it and if you don't then you can make your decision after that what do you got for me, Ashley? Well, the faceless autotheism. I didn't like it. I thought it was try-hard Opeth or something and just didn't give it a chance. 
Anyway, after the show and enjoying it live, I went back and had a listen and yeah, I was hanging out with my buddy. We chucked it on and we were sort of chatting and in the background, the music was on and it seemed different. It seemed like Tech Death crossed Opeth and I got to say, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Then after like acknowledging that I enjoyed it, I went back and had a listen on headphones by myself without any distractions and then it started to come out how maybe like it's pretty cool their old stuff was really heavily psychoptic influenced in the guitaring and stuff like that it's very technical death metal a lot of riffs going on which is a good thing this one it's like they just heard five opeth albums a bit of devon townsend maybe some cynic and even a couple of alan holdsworth licks and just tried to cram it all together with Mm. the way they used to do it and while it's cool it seems that just a little bit premature and i think maybe their next album will be really good if they can kind of nail it it just seems like their first effort at something other than what they're good at yeah i need to listen to a few more of their albums i think at least um moderately unique and they're doing doing what they want to do which yeah good on yeah i'm not the biggest fan either but just from a third party perspective i'm wondering if they're trying to distance themselves from that whole because they're on that sumerian records label that has your peripheries and your suicide silences and all that kind of stuff and even dead letter circus now oh really yeah crazy huh and the drummer from the faceless said Mm -hmm. the dead letter circus their latest album is his favorite album at the moment really Mm. has he heard carnival i asked him that did you yeah and he said sound awake is his favorite album of all time that's interesting it is interesting anyway he was a pretty radical drummer awesome chops anyway that's my album of the week sorry about that lengthy fucking load of shit i'll cut that down in editing soundworks touring prime cuts music and metal obsession presents baylor from Melbourne and claim the throne from Perth, forging an empire. Australian tour, January, February 2014, starting on the 23rd of January. Gold Coast, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, fucking Ballarat, cut. Hobart, Adelaide, Perth. Tickets available at the door. For more details on the dates and venues, head to www.claimthethrone.com. See you there. Listener question of the fucking week. Uh. Hello, boys. My name is uh, Trevor. I've been uh, really enjoyed your latest uh, lodge about the art of drumming without drums. And I just had two questions for you, boys. Uh, the The first one is, I- I'm 87 years old, and I just want to know, is it too old to start playing music at my age? And secondly, I have taken up the drums, and um, my deaf wife, she doesn't like me playing loud. Uh, she she pretends she can hear it. So, But anyway, I've, I've got a, a practice pad, like Ash suggested, but it's really hurting my legs. So I wanted to know, Ash, do you have any ways to make your legs feel better after practicing drums? Thank you, boys. Well, thanks for that. Trevor, good to know not all our listeners are young, dumb, and full of cum. Um, yeah, glad we've got some some age out there. I'm sure you're very knowledgeable and uh, a talented man. Can you ever be too old to start playing music? Let me answer that by um, qu- quoting the shirt of our friend, the Strong Boys 19. He's got a shirt with Homer Simpson on the front, and it says, never too old to rock. So definitely never too old to start playing music. You can pick that up at any time. It's never too late. Good on you, mate, and keep it up. Next question I was a bit confused about. I'm not sure how your legs are sore from playing a practice pad with your hands, but sounds like um you need a bit of 
after drumming remedy on your legs. Do you ever get that, Ash, when you play a lot of double kick or anything? Maybe I used to when I didn't warm up, didn't practice so much and, yeah, get a bit of the old cramping after a show maybe. But, well, actually during a show would be more likely. <laughs> I don't know, mate. What do you reckon? Just some stretching, bit of denker rub afterwards. Oh, just God. be fit. I'd say Don't be 87 years old. I can get over it, mate. <laughs> Toughen up. Toughen up. I'd say stretch before. Stretch before, Trevor, and um, don't and worry about your wife. More. Claim the throne, news and gidge. It's been a pretty quiet week yet again. Uh, we just had our Moon Sorrow show, which hopefully went good. We recorded this in the past. <laughs> it would have been done by now, and I'm sure it was awesome. And of course, our Christmas gig with Silent Night, Suffer in Rot, Red Descending, and the Mighty Claim the Throne. <laughs> Coming up soon, 20th December, Amplifier Bar Perth. And our Baylor Tour. Mm, January, starting, uh, yeah, late, late January, around the 20th or so, until early Feb, visiting lots of places around Australia. Check it out on the internet, www.claimthethrone.com. In terms of news, we've been discussing a potential video for Ooh. the song Incursion. Just a discussion between me and Ash. We haven't had a band meeting or written yeah. a bio about it, but just a point. On, on, the, on the down low. I did a little video with... My man Owen, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago from Point Breakdown. And yeah, just thinking about it, having a chat with him and then subsequently talking to Cabba, we thought it might be an idea to go into the wilderness of Bremer Bay, the Salt Lakes of the Great Southern, and record ourselves <laughs> Salt Lake City. A little clip of the song Incursion. So from the picture you showed me, it didn't even look like Australia. It was like some snowy Finnish lake. So, but yeah, the the interesting thing is we might just try and do it all ourselves on the budget with pretty much no gear. And it, I think we can pull it off pretty good. Yeah, just see how it goes out. Just for all you DIYs out there and band musos. You got any tips on how to do a easy video on the cheap? We could almost do a sedge on this at one point. Probably, yeah. We should just do the lead up to it. We'll the only other news I was thinking of is it looks like Forged in Flame was leaked on the internet during the week. So you can now download it for free from a lot of illegal Russian forums and a few torrent websites. But uh, I don't care. It's pretty cool for me. It gets, you know, people hearing it a bit more, a bit of exposure. And um, yeah, people comment on those forums as well. And, and most of the feedback, well, all the feedback I've seen has been real positive. So Isn't it interesting though that there is that. feedback on there? And I, I do know a lot of bands get angry when they see that their stuff's on some weird website and they're not getting money for it, which, yeah, fair enough. The worst ones are, are when people are actually selling it, selling a torrent yeah, that's like for a few bucks and you don't even know about it. And so that's, that's a bit dodgy, but um, I'm happy for the exposure around the world and you know. Yeah, it still counts as publicity. Like, I don't know, I've never been to Russia before, but... One day when we do, then a lot of people will come to the show and that's when we'll get their money. Yeah, there you go. Because it's all about money, folks. Don't forget. You're in a metal band to be, get rich. That's why you got to look at the big ones, Head P and Trapped. <laughs> all right, well, that's, that's us for another week. Uh, any jokes to tell, Ash? Of course, there's a joke. Awesome, what is it? Why was Christ naked on the cross? <laughs> question's pretty funny but i don't know why because joseph decided to take a sash i don't get it i just made it up <laughs> you dummy we going out with a song again tonight as usual i reckon we take the the fans back to the primitive you reckon a new song <sighs> then. like serpent and the star okay and that's a bit of a mood changer as well hope you enjoy it tune in again next week we'll um see you again very soon